When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I couldn't really tell from me watching at home. I knew I was laughing. I thought it was funny. But when he says, well, nobody's laughing, then I'm like, well, maybe it's not funny. I don't know. Then he topped the whole thing off by dropping the N-word in the most tight-ass room in history. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Since 2013, the staff at Overdue Review have written opinions on hundreds of movies, TV shows, and albums, but less than a dozen have made the Five Star Club. To see which titles have been given perfect grades, click to the Five Star Club page at OverdueReview.com. Overdue Review, better late. Hello and welcome once again to the Stream Police Podcast, brought to you by your friends at OverdueReview.com, where we take a look at movies, television, and music from every era and give everything that final retrospective look. I'm Clint Davis, Movies and TV Editor at Overdue Review. I appreciate you very much uh, tuning into the show here today. The Stream Police, this is the show where we take a look at uh, the things streaming out in the media wasteland and kind of sift through them and tell you which ones are worth your time and which ones are straight-up garbage. They deserve to be burned on the pile of refuse. So let's go ahead and get going, my friend. Let me go ahead and light my stogie up here as is traditional as I'm sitting in my closet in Cincinnati, Ohio, talking to you. If there were enough room in this closet to put my feet up, believe me, I would do it. But there isn't, so I'm here talking to you. Let me go ahead and get started by uh, reading a, uh, a reader, or I should say a listener email uh, sent into the stream police. You can email me anytime, by the way, at theclintdavis at gmail.com, T-H-E, clintdavis at gmail.com. You just got done watching something, or you started up a new series, or you're, you're wondering about a show, maybe I've talked about here, but you haven't uh, gone back or haven't taken the time to go back and, and find uh, my review of it in our, our previous 26 episodes here on the stream police. Fret not, send me an email, I'll get back to you, or I will read it on the air. Uh, Our buddy Glenn, one of our best listeners, uh, writes in. Glenn says, I'm so glad to hear you have joined the Game of Thrones fandom, because last week, of course, I reviewed Game of Thrones finally, uh, the first five seasons of the series. I I finally touched on those on this show for the first time in a year. He says, I've been watching since season one and have read all the books. They've clearly got an end game in mind. Talking about the showrunners here, it's not a guarantee at this point, but I feel like it's totally doable to resolve the main storylines in a satisfying way as long as that way involves Cersei's head on a spike. Very well put, Glenn. He says he's happy as long as he sees Cersei's head on a spike at the end of the at the end of the series run. I think watching her getting eaten by one of uh, Daenerys's dragons would probably be my or better yet, how about 
two of them. Maybe the one bites her head, one bites her feet, and they just like rip her in half right in the middle. Her innards go flying everywhere. That would be a pretty good ending, I feel like, to the entire series. And then we cut the black and credits roll. <laughs> I think that would be a little bit too upbeat uh, for Game of Thrones, though. And that's pretty messed up when you can describe somebody getting ripped in half as upbeat. But it would be for that show if it was that character. Uh, Glenn also uh, agreed with me when I was talking about Penny Dreadful last week. He said he also loves that show for its atmosphere. That was one thing I praised about that series on Showtime. And Glenn added that he hopes what happens is that the success of Game of Thrones and Penny Dreadful and shows like that lead to more great fantasy dramas. And I think you've already seen it, Glenn. I mean, hell, you've seen uh, the success of superhero movies creeping in on television uh, so much in the last few years. I mean, there were there were superhero TV shows before. I mean, we had Smallville uh, is really the first one that, that jumps out to mind. But other than that, there really weren't a whole lot of them. And now there are tons of them, not only under the Marvel umbrella, but DC's gotten in on the on the game. And they've had a lot of success uh, with their TV shows based on superheroes. So I, I feel like, you know, if you count those as fantasy shows also, uh, it counts. And, um, yeah, there's just there's a lot of, like, supernatural kind of stuff on TV now. A lot more than there was 20 years ago. There really was hardly any of that kind of thing except for uh, Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was really it. And obviously my beloved X-Files as well. So last week on the Stream Police, I talked about shows that make you wonder why you're still watching them. You tune in every week habitually just because I guess it's a it's a comfort thing at this point. It's part of your routine. Um, you know, you know every Tuesday night you're going to have this show on. So, you know, you watch it on Tuesday night or you watch it later in the week um, on, on Hulu or wherever you 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 know, tend to watch your TV shows. So, you know, it just, it becomes a habit. It becomes like kind of a comforting thing that you go to, even though maybe you don't have quite the unbridled passion for the show that you did for tuning into it that you did at one point because something's lost. So you wonder why are you still watching? That was what I asked last week. And I got some good responses to that, that I wanted to get to. Uh, The shows that I mentioned last week, I said Modern Family for me is one that I, I keep watching, but I don't really know why I'm watching it because it's the same. It's kind of the same thing every week at this point, which was never a problem with that show before. But I just feel like there's not a whole lot new going on anymore. Um, and The Last Man on Earth on Fox is starting to join that, even though we're only in the second season on that show. It's a really bad sign. But I just feel like maybe they've run out of ideas. I don't know, because the end of the most recent episode hinted that there's going to be yet another character introduced, which I think is what they, they need to do. They can't. That was what made the first season so great was the uh, surprising influx of new characters kind of every few weeks and each one of them brought something new uh, to the series so like I said I asked why what are some of those shows that you wonder why am I still watching them and uh, Glenn in his email he added one he wrote that uh, he still watches the vampire diaries on CW uh, but he wonders why he still watches it and in his in his message it was funny because he says my pick is the vampire diaries don't judge me from a writing standpoint it's kind of incredible because I probably was going to judge you Glenn uh, but I know you got good taste in television so um, but th- there should be there's some reason why you're watching this series he said the a lead actress left the show and that killed all the momentum in the primary story arc then he said that uh, adding insult to injury is the fact that the show did a convoluted time jump for no discernible reason and has a huge vacuum where a fleshed out villain should be in spite of this the show and its spin-off the originals are rating successes for the cw so glenn says he's worried that despite the fact that more and more of the cast members keep leaving the cw will just making uh, keep making the show as long as it's popular and you know that's what's going to happen glenn i mean that's that's the way it goes this is um i, I mean sometimes on in, in auteur cinema land or television land i should say like an hbo something like that they 
they shut a show down. You know, they have to keep the cast there, and they don't like to keep them going um, after cast members leave because the show's not really. Uh, it's not about ratings. It's about the story being told. I mean, it's always about ratings at a certain point. But you know, you get good enough ratings, and the story's great. We're going to keep it going as long as we still have a story to tell. But on networks like the CW, and obviously the other big four networks. It is about ratings, and if, yeah, these shows, I mean, Vampire Diaries is one of the flagship shows of the CW, and I think you can guarantee they're going to keep it going as long as uh, there are ratings to be had. So it's a shame to see it when it's a show that you really do enjoy, but uh, Glenn adds the Vampire Diaries to our discussion. Got a few other uh, a few others uh, from listeners as well. Mandy said that she keeps watching CBS's Scorpion, even though it's the same storyline every week, and she can predict what's going to happen every time, is what she said, so she wonders... Why do I keep watching this show? And that's one of those hour-long shows. So that's like that's serious uh, investment. That's like not like my Modern Family uh, Last Man on Earth thing, where it's only really like twenty minutes of your time uh, taken up. I mean, you're talking about a good chunk of your uh, good chunk of your week taken up there. Uh, Marie said that she still watches CBS's Criminal Minds, even though she wonders why she watches it. She said that uh, she had a great line: "These type of TV shows are more like quote a one night stand." In uh, quote, I guess because there is little investment given to them um, versus the other, like the big shows that you love because you're, that are, you're more like shows that you're married to. So she calls them one night stand television shows like Criminal Minds. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Uh, that was that's the one that she keeps watching. What is that? Like it's 25th season at this point. I mean, Jesus, with, uh, you know, 13 different uh, cast changes over the years. I don't know how uh, how they can keep a show like that fresh, honestly. I asked some other people at work um, if they had any picks for shows that they wonder every week, why am I still watching this? Uh, Eric said he he would count The Walking Dead as that on AMC. He wondered uh, you know, why he was still watching it. I, I think he's actually stopped watching it at this point, but there was definitely a point where uh, he was wondering that, and he ended up taking the uh, taking the route of, I'm not going to watch this anymore. So I praise you for having the strength, my friend. And also someone at the office, I can't remember who, said The Voice is a show that they wonder why they keep watching it. Uh, and I think, you know, like reality competition shows almost are like their own. It, that's a whole different thing because they don't have to rely, obviously, on good writing or good acting or anything like that. It's just it lives and dies by how good the judges are and also how good the uh, the competitors are in that season, how interesting they are and how good of singers they are. So if they've got a bad crop of talent that year or the judges just aren't into it, then that show's going to suffer greatly. But you know what you're going to get every time you tune into The Voice or the uh, now-departed American Idol. If you have any picks for TV shows that you keep watching every week, but you wonder why you're watching them, why am I doing this to myself? This show has nothing else to teach me, apparently. Um, give me an email. Drop me a line at theclintdavis at gmail.com. All right, let's move on. Something that was on TV in the last couple of weeks since we spoke uh, that has become increasingly a bigger and bigger deal in television over about the last decade. This is something that's been going on for well over, I mean, God, it's been going on for almost 100 years at this point, uh, but it's just now in the last, like really in the last 10 years, become a thing that uh, major TV networks care about and talk about and give airtime coverage to. I'm talking about the White House Correspondents' Dinner. If you don't know anything about the Correspondents' Dinner, what it is, it's not a night of comedy or a roast of the president. It's a night for journalism where the press corps that cover the White House on a daily basis kind of get to like let their hair down, um, you know, finally for once in the year and, and, and rub elbows with the people that they cover. And it's, you know, it kind of makes me feel gross in that way, because these are people that are supposed to be 
keeping the government held accountable, but really they're they're being buddy buddy with them and laughing and sharing food. And it's just I don't I don't know that it, that's a great thing. You know, you can't really press pause on a relationship like that. It's it's the same. It makes me feel weird when like a sports beat beat writer um, is like out at dinner with the manager of the team that he's covering and it's not an interview situation. They're just out at dinner together, like having fun. I mean, that's not, it's not a great thing. I guess it, you know, that kind of comfort can lead to some good stories over time, but it also can lead definitely to your objective, um, eyes being clouded a little bit. So anyways, let me get off the, uh, let me get off the uh, pedestal here, but white house correspondence dinner is really a dinner about honoring journalists. They give out a lot of awards and scholarships to aspiring journalists. They give out awards to people who have been covering the White House well. Um, And it's the uh, White House Press Association, I think is what it's called. I can't remember exactly what the name of the group is, but they put it on every year. And the president has come to it, um, has made it a habit to come to it for the last several decades. It's a, a big event that the president always goes to. And the president gets up, he tells some jokes for about 20 minutes, and then a, a featured comedian comes up and tells some jokes for about 20 minutes. And at times, this dinner has been really great TV. It's just been, it's been really funny, well-written, very sharp. It's fun to see the president always, no matter what president it is, no matter whether you agree with their policies or not. It's fun to see them kind of make fun of themselves, make fun of other people, get to say some things that they would never say. Um, And we get to see, you know, how well of a performer they are. And for our last few presidents, at least going back to to Clinton and and W. Bush and Obama, I think these these are three guys that were very comfortable in front of cameras with a microphone. And the three of them were actually funny guys, you know, really, especially when the jokes were being written for them. But they were they had good deliveries, um, especially W. Bush and Obama. I think I mean, these two guys could could go out and do a comedy tour, honestly, if the jokes were written for them. President Clinton, of course, wrote a very successful presidential memoirs with 10,000 pages or something. (laughs) I'm thinking of something really fun and creative for mine. You know, maybe a pop-up book. (laughs) So this year, the Correspondents' Dinner was hosted by Larry Wilmore, the former Daily Show correspondent. He had one of the greatest titles ever on The Daily Show. He was The Daily Show's black correspondent. Um, and I just, I always thought that was really great. Uh, but he, he used to be on the daily show. Now he hosts the nightly show, which was going to be called the minority report, uh, on comedy central after the daily show, which I thought would have been another great title, but I think they got uh, screwed over by Fox having that minority report show on. They weren't allowed to use that name. Uh, but so Larry Wilmore hosted the dinner this year and he told, went up and told some jokes and he became the latest comedian to get to poke fun at the president while the president sat in the room. Now I'll be honest with you. I've never found Wilmore to be that funny. Even going back to The Daily Show, he was never one of the correspondents that I really looked forward to seeing that much. Not one of my favorites. It was just something about his voice and his delivery that just felt grating to me always, and a bit meek, um, honestly. But he did have a couple really good jokes about race at the correspondence Dinner, which really is his wheelhouse. Welcome to a Negro Night here at uh, <laughs> Washington. Or as Fox News will report, two thugs disrupt elegant dinner in D.C. <laughs> He also had a few good lines where he stuck it to Obama, especially at the beginning um, of his routine there after he made just those couple jokes that I uh, I just pointed out there. And uh, especially had some good jokes when he ripped the press who covered the White House, which is a thing that some comedians do, others don't. Um, but he went after the press a little bit, which, remember, this entire room, if you watch the Correspondents' Dinner, this room is not like general public. This is not an audience. This is not like we're selling tickets and things like this. It is 
uh, the room is full of press. And if, if you're not pressed, then you're like a rich celebrity who somehow found your way into this room, into this very expensive and elite uh, dinner. You're a politician, you're press, or you're a celebrity. That's Those are the people in this room. So this room might have a stick jammed further up its ass than the Oscars crowd even does. So to make fun of the press at this event is a – you have to have balls to do it, really. Um, and Wilmore did it a couple times but he messed up because it seems like he didn't expect the frigid reaction that he was going to get from somebody like CNN when he made fun of them or Fox or the newspaper business in general. It's like he thought they were going to laugh at him. And by and large, these types of journalists do not have a good sense of humor about themselves, especially if you're making fun of their reporting skills, which he was. He, he made he made fun of uh, of Wolf Blitzer's you know reporting style, his interview style. Um, in in one big joke there. But these guys are not comedians at a roast who know that they're going to be ripped relentlessly and they know how to take it. You know, it's one thing to go up at the roast of, you know, whoever, pick a pick a celebrity and make fun of all the celebrities sitting around the dais, all the comedians sitting around the dais, because they know that's what's going to happen and they know what targets you're going to go after. And, and comedians appreciate a great joke, even if it's aimed at them. Journalists and politicians do not appreciate a good joke if it's aimed at them. They appreciate it if it's aimed at somebody else, but not at themselves. So, like I said, for instance, Wilmore took one big swipe at CNN's Wolf Blitzer. Speaking of drones, how is Wolf Blitzer still on television? (laughs) Ask a follow-up question. Good Hey, Wolf, I'm ready to project tonight's winner. Anyone that isn't watching The Situation Room... (laughs) So obviously he makes that joke and the room goes silent. C-SPAN's camera shows Wolf Blitzer sitting up, staring Wilmore down at this table and not smiling a bit. I mean, not even a little bit. This should have been expected. I mean, Wilmore should have known that's the reaction that he's going to get. And it made me laugh at home because it was so awkward. And I, I thought that Wilmore did a nice job there. But then he ruined the tension by adding this. No. All right. Fine. I like Wolf. Fine. (laughs) So that made it feel like amateur hour to me because this was this is a guy that should have known he was not going to get a good reaction from that room. But he should have had the confidence to know people at home are dying laughing at this joke. It was a good joke. It landed well with them. The audience I cannot see. But I think it's hard to be in that room and and roll with people not laughing at your jokes and did not try to bristle back a little bit and go, oh, no, but I love Wolf. He's such a great guy. I respect him. That wasn't what he was saying. When he made his joke, he was saying, I don't respect this guy. I think he's garbage. Uh, but but then he had to back it up and say, oh, no, but I do love this guy because, you know, he's powerful and he's in this room and I, I don't want to make fun of him. So that that really kind of disappointed me. And I think that was where it went off the rails a little bit. If you're going to try to do honest insult comedy at the correspondence dinner, you can't back down. I think that's a rule that comedians need to know here. You have to either play for the room, which would mean making jokes, you know, with the press or with the president not hammering them, or you have to play for the TV and online audience where you absolutely skewer the people in that room and you don't care what they think about it and you you know you're going to get silence. Stephen Colbert proved this better than anybody in 2006 when he gave what I'd consider the greatest correspondence dinner set of all time. If you have time on YouTube, go on and, and spend 30 minutes watching Stephen Colbert at the 2006 White House Correspondents' Dinner because it is a masterclass in comedy. In the guise of his TV character, Stephen Colbert, from the Colbert Report, remember he was like this clueless conservative TV pundit, he ripped George W. Bush's entire administration from the top down 
all while these people had to sit there and take it. My hero, George W. Bush. Now, I know there's some polls out there saying that, that this man has a 32% approval rating. But guys like us, we don't, we don't pay attention to the polls. We know that, that polls are just a collection of statistics that reflect what people are thinking in reality. <laughs> and reality has a well-known liberal bias. Colbert absolutely embraced the discomfort in the room. You could tell. He never missed a beat. And even as some people were reportedly walking out of the room, he kept going. I stand by this man. I stand by this man because he stands for things. Not only for things, he stands on things. Things like aircraft carriers and rubble and recently flooded city squares. And that sends a strong message that no matter what happens to America, she will always rebound with the most powerfully staged photo ops in the world. He also showed how you could rip journalists while they're sitting right there in front of you and not laughing at all. Over the last five years, you people were so good over, uh, over, over tax cuts, WMD intelligence, the effect of global warming. We Americans didn't want to know, and you had the courtesy not to try to find out. Those were good times. As far as we knew. But listen, let's review the rules. Here's how it works. The president makes decisions. He's the decider. The press secretary announces those decisions. And you people of the press type those decisions down. Make, announce, type. Just put them through a spell check and go home. Get to know your family again. Make love to your wife. Write that novel you got kicking around in your head. You know, the one about the intrepid Washington reporter with the courage to stand up to the administration? You know, fiction. Now, that is a joke that cuts deep, you know, especially in a room full of reporters. And nobody was laughing in that room. But it's like Colbert did his set with earplugs in, which is what I think if you're going to go for this kind of set, you have to do it. You have to basically wear earmuffs and just know that he wanted to make the home audience laugh. And you got to know that you're going to make the home audience laugh. And that's what he did. And the people in the room can suck it, basically. Wilmore could have done that kind of set, and that was kind of how he started, but he seemed to back away when things got a little bit too tense, making comments about how nobody was laughing, which only made things worse because it made me feel like maybe at home I shouldn't be laughing. I mean, he's, he's actually pointing out that people aren't laughing, and I couldn't really tell from me watching at home. I knew I was laughing. I thought it was funny, but when he says, well, nobody's laughing, then I'm like, well, maybe it's not funny. I don't know. Then he topped the whole thing off by dropping the N-word in the most tight-ass room in history. Yo, Barry, you did it, my nigga. Did it. <laughs> and I wasn't offended by that, but I, I just, you know, I mean, it is kind of one of those things where Obama wants to shift the conversation away from race a lot of times. Um, and that kind of thing just came off as a little bit classless. And it, re it wasn't really that funny. You know, it wasn't like hilarious in the way he did it. Um, I know what he was going for, but it just it wasn't that good. So, But it did get him some headlines. I, overall, I felt like Wilmore gave a pretty forgettable routine. It wasn't one of the best correspondence dinner. I wouldn't recommend going online and watching the whole thing. If you want to watch Obama's, he, he was pretty funny, but he wasn't as funny as he was a couple years ago or even last year. Uh, I, I just I feel like you know, he's a little bit maybe worn out at this point. So it wasn't his best routine either, but... Only because I, I feel like Wilmore didn't go hard enough, I feel like this one was forgettable. But I will say one thing about the correspondence dinner. Helen Mirren looked damn good. Even President Obama thought so. Helen Mirren is here tonight. 
I don't even have a joke here. I just think Helen Mirren is awesome. Gotta love her. All right, I'm going to take a break and toss things over to Andy Sedlak, our music editor. He'll tell us what's piping through the earbuds this week. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And uh, I'll be back in just a little bit here to take you home on the Stream Police podcast. All right. Good to be with you. My name is Andy Sedlak. I'm the uh, music editor over at OverdueReview.com. A few people were uh, worried about me after last week's episode, but I'm good. I'm cool. (laughs) And to hell with Captain America versus uh, Iron Man. The real showdown, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Beyonce has a new album out. It is a visual album. It is called Lemonade. It is sort of about the complexities of infidelity and what it means to overcome such hurdles and to conquer uh, one's womanhood. That's according to her PR team. Everybody else assumes it's about Jay-Z. Well, let us first discuss Beyonce's Lemonade. A lot of people were talking about uh, Lemonade. First of all, people were shocked that they felt that she was giving a lot about her relationship with Jay-Z. That's how they were looking at it. Mm -hmm. She knew about his infidelities. He cheated on her. How could he cheat on her? I've only heard two tracks. One is Formation. So I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama. Mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole. Make a Texas Bama. The other is Freedom. I'ma keep on running cause the winner don't quit on themselves. Just Blaze produced that, and uh, Kendrick Lamar is featured. That's quality merger. But since I've only heard two tracks, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to talk about the album. I want to talk about the larger trend that it could represent. Now, walk with me on this because pop music is just like Hollywood. It's a uh, copycat business. What if this changes things or nudges things? In a different creative direction. What if concept albums become the new rage? What if full-length, 40, 50, 60-minute complete albums 
are what's discussed again. How cool would that be? Jay-Z's already working on one. Supposedly, it's a similar concept album in the wake of his wife's release. Uh, Is it a response record, a companion record, a publicity stunt? I don't know. But I do know that I did not buy Magna Carta Holy Grail because I was disappointed in the Blueprint 3. And now, for the first time in quite a while, I'm anxious to hear what Jay-Z has to say again. And I understand that not everybody will feel that way. Rapper Jay-Z is reportedly working on a new album to address the infidelity rumors brought up by his wife Beyonce's latest project, Lemonade. Though maybe their marriage would be going better if they didn't communicate by album. (laughs) But what if this is the rumors of 2016? And when I say rumors, I'm referencing the Fleetwood Mac album. You guys know that there were couples within that band. And when they were writing and recording that record, those couples were in the process of breaking up. So you had all this cross dialogue going back and forth. And it was compelling stuff. It turned out to be great art. It didn't do much for the couples themselves. It didn't save or salvage any relationships. But as the listener, that was good stuff. In the age of pick and choose, Beyonce's Lemonade... Seems to have held people's attention, and she's keeping it for the length of an entire album. Incredible concept, I know. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. But if Jay-Z puts out a similar record, the biggest pop stars on the planet will once again be associated with concept albums and not mainstream singles. And these are people who set precedents. They don't follow them. Maybe after this, Kanye wants to take on gender inequality. Or Taylor Swift wants to cut an album of Donald Trump protest songs. I'm just giving examples. It could be the start of an interesting period in pop music. It could be. Lemonade debuted at number one. What's more interesting is that a total of eight songs from Lemonade have since charted on the Hot 100. When was the last time eight singles from one album charted simultaneously? That's basically what it is. Aside from being artistically fulfilling, you can't lose sight of the fact that this is also lucrative. And that is what may give record companies some willingness to try similar concepts with other artists. The key is showing that it can be lucrative. Could be an interesting period for music. Well, I say that as I'm looking at uh, the internet here. It appears that uh, Kylie Jenner, I don't know, some of you may know more than me. I think she's, is she the youngest Kardashian? I think she is. She put out a song sampling the Mr. Rogers theme. So let's let's do this. Let's refresh your memory. Here's the theme from Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. And here's Jenner's new song. It's a beautiful 
beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. I just catch out on my fucking hood. Okay, yeah, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. I wish a fuck nigga would. Okay, yeah, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, Burberry Perry is the lead artist on that track, or maybe he's the producer. I, I don't know, but it happened. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get on this show, let me tell you. I've never been particularly interested in Keith Urban's career, uh, but uh, he's got a new album called Ripcord that does seem to be interesting. The same old sounds have populated country radio for some time. Again, if you like it, you call it traditional. If you don't, you call it repetitive. But Urban's new songs are a little funky. They're kind of cool. Three singles came out before the record was even released. Yeah, three of them. Here's one. It's called Wasted Time. worked on a song on the record carrie underwood is on there uh even pitbull 10 different producers are listed but the star is that kind of new territory that urban has carved out we talked about coldplay a few weeks ago if you remember i told you that i thought they got more interesting as they got older i might have to add keith urban to that file as well Now we're going to try something new this week. There are certain things out there to avoid, certain things that you don't want to come into contact with because, friends, we uh, we set ourselves at a higher standard, don't we? So these are, uh, let's go ahead and call these uh, the bombs of the week. Friends, the first is Cake by the Ocean by DNCE. The song was written for 12-year-olds, and our tastes are more refined, aren't they, friends? That's why we have to say... You suck! Next is Lights Come On by Jason Aldean. When the lights come on, everybody's screaming, lighters in the sky, yeah, everybody's singing. Just pens it right there on the nose. Sheesh. Like, somebody introduced that guy to a metaphor. You suck! Next, holy, uh... I guess it's called Holy. It's Holy by Florida Georgia Line. Holy, 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 I'm high on loving you. The tide is going out on bro country, so they're trying to pander to your sensitive side. Don't let them. You suck. Two more. My House by Flo Rida. Welcome to Minivan rap. You're a loser. Lastly, Seven Years by Lucas Graham. 
It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady figure. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Did this guy just figure out how the aging process works? I mean, it's not a novel concept, Lucas. Loser. Now, flip around to the other side of things. Here are five songs to add to your Stream Police playlist. We've been working on the perfect playlist for some time, guys. And I think you'll get some mileage out of these songs. First, it's Mama, It's Just My Medicine. It's by Shooter Jennings. Second, Cat People by David Bowie. Third, The Chase by Future Islands. And trailer by Mud Crutch. I kept up with my images. I kept up with my payments. She never said goodbye. I never asked why. Man, we used to dance to Leonard Skinner. Ah, she used to look so. Finally, this is a grinder called Harlan County Line. It's by Dave Alvin. People can be noble and people can be cruel. They'll make you president or they'll make you a fool. But she always treated me nice and kind. Until that day she left me on my own. Said there was trouble she had to handle back home. Then she gave me a number and said call anytime. If I ever made it cross the Harlan County line. That's it. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Peace out, guys.
Thank you very much, Mr. Sedlak. Once again, I am Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com. Go on the website and read uh, Andy's and myself's uh, long-form reviews of movies, TV, and music. Uh, going through uh, covering all eras, we've been uh, doing the website for about three years at this point, and have racked up uh, you know quite a few reviews on there. We don't write every day because you know these do. I mean, for both of us, we both have day jobs, but these take a, a lot of time and a lot of heart and a lot of thought uh, on these reviews. We take them very seriously, and we get no money from them. So uh, we appreciate you very much going on there and reading them. I think you'll like them. I think that's you know that's why I promote them in, on here anyways. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about some things that are streaming now on Netflix and on Amazon for the month of May. So as I told you last month, Netflix had its best month ever of new movies, I felt like. I, I talked uh, a couple shows ago about how the new titles coming to Netflix in April were, I think, the best batch of new titles that that company has ever given us in one single month, at least since I've been subscribing for a couple years now in May, it's a pretty rough month for new titles on Netflix. Not very many new ones that I think you're going to be excited about adding to your queue. We've got some stuff like Bring It On, which I guess you know could be a nostalgic uh, pick for some of you guys out there. We've got Kindergarten Cop 2 with Dolph Lundgren and Bill Bellamy is uh, new on Netflix, and The Nutty Professor, the Eddie Murphy one from the 90s, which sadly is actually one of the best new ones that was added to Netflix this month. You know, the, the Piggins are slim when The Nutty Professor is one of the best movies added on there, and I only say it's one of the best because uh, Dave Chappelle uh, and his, I think it was his film debut, that was, that was the movie that basically Eddie Murphy did Dave Chappelle a huge solid. He had seen him performing at a club, and he put him in the movie as like this insult comic who rips on uh, Sherman Klump in the movie, makes fun of him for being fat, and uh, Chappelle was really good in it. It's a scene that kind of cuts uh, cuts pretty deep, and it's a pretty sad scene, and uh, that's that's one of the reasons to go on there and watch The Nutty Professor, at least, to see Chappelle kind of getting his start. You got more crack than Harlem, look at that! <laughs> Okay, all right, man. All right, that's it. You got me. The only three movies that I can really recommend, honestly, and I looked through the entire list of films coming to Netflix for, for May, the only three that I can really recommend to you are Pleasantville, which is one of my favorite movies. I think it's a beautiful art. Artistically, it's one of the best-looking movies and one of the best movies as far as the special effects and the CGI go that I have ever seen. The way they did it is so... And it's just a touching, beautiful movie, well-acted. Joan Allen is so good in it. Jeff Daniels is fantastic. Reese Witherspoon. Um, I mean, even Tobey Maguire. It's just... It's a, very, it's a very good film. I like that movie a lot. And Don Knotts, for God's sakes, is in that movie. So Pleasantville, I recommend the highest of any of the new ones on Netflix this month. Also, though, we've got 16 Candles, which is a huge favorite, obviously, but if you've uh, never seen it, then give that one a watch. That's uh, John Hughes' 80s classic. And Tom Petty, Running Down a Dream, the documentary about Tom Petty, which I've never actually seen, but Andy has been recommending that movie to me for years, so I'm going to throw it on here just in light of his recommendation because uh, he knows a good music documentary, and uh, I'll be uh, I'll be checking that one out finally. I'll be able to watch it. Tom Petty, Running Down a Dream, uh, 16 Candles, and Pleasantville. Like I said, those are the three best picks, I think, on Netflix for May. Now, I haven't seen Kindergarten Cop 2 with Dolph Lundgren and Bill Bellamy yet, so it may be, who knows? Maybe it'll be fantastic, but 
I'm just saying it, it probably won't be. Uh, shows coming back to Netflix this month include uh, Netflix originals Grace and Frankie and Bloodline, both of those shows returning for season two in May. And I'll actually be talking about Bloodline in our next episode a little bit um, as I've just kind of gotten started on that show and, and really loving it. But I'm going to be talking about its pilot episode, which I'd consider one of the best pilot episodes I've ever seen. Now let's get to Amazon Prime Video. There were more good films uh, added to Amazon Prime this month. So if you are an Amazon subscriber, they had a lot of good movies this month, unlike Netflix. 99 Homes. Uh, this is the only place that you're going to be able to stream um, 99 Homes. That was a movie that came out last year. A lot of people thought it would be an Oscar nominee for uh, Michael Shannon, the uh, really powerhouse, intense actor. It's a movie about the uh, two th- 2008 financial crisis and really the effect it had on the real estate bubble. And you've just got this this guy who's, uh, I mean, he's he's ruthless, evicting families out of 99 Homes um, as he just goes around and seems to take enjoyment out of this. Uh, this guy's kind of masochistic. And uh, 99 Homes is is right now on Amazon Prime Video. So that should be an intense watch. I haven't watched it, so full disclosure there. But uh, I'm finally looking forward to, to being able to watch it. It was a hard one to find before now finally being available streaming. Also, Airplane and Airplane 2, the sequel, were added to Amazon Prime Video. So if you've been waiting around to watch Airplane... Give it a view. Still one of the funniest movies ever made. Election, one of my favorite comedies of the 90s there. And uh, still the movie that, God, when I think of Reese Witherspoon, I just think of her as Tracy Flick. And uh, the most just brown-nosing, obnoxious student of all time. And I, it's my favorite performance from Matthew Broderick ever. I, I like him better in Election than I do in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Ghost World is also on Amazon Prime Video. That was the movie where I got my crush on Scarlett Johansson and kept my crush on Thora Birch. Uh, that's like, I feel like the girls in that movie, the Scarlett Johansson and Thora Birch, were like the first two hipsters I ever saw. Um, and and that's a that's a film. I think it was from the early two thousands. But uh, nice little nice little comedy drama, a uh, little indie flick, uh, Ghost World, right now on Amazon Prime Video. Live and Let Die, where I got a crush on Jane Seymour, is uh, on Amazon Prime Video as well. Goldfinger, the man with the golden gun. So uh, several good Bond films were added this uh, month to Amazon. The Red Violin, also one of my uh, wife's favorite movies, and it was a good one. Uh, it's got a, a really big ensemble cast and an interesting story that kind of spans generations. Uh, that one's also up right now. It's a li- got a little bit of romance in it, too. Sex, Lies, and Videotape is also there. That's just really a transformative 1990s movie um, and, and very hard-hitting looking at uh, human drama and looking at, you know, kind of jealousies and what makes us tick, uh, especially in the bedroom there. That's a really good movie and, and probably James Spader's best work. Standing in the Shadows of Motown is also on Amazon Prime Video. Great music documentary about the uh, backing band who you didn't even realize you had listen to them. You probably heard more songs by them than any other band ever, and you didn't even realize who these guys were. They were basically on every Motown recording um, of the 1960s, and uh, they're, they're profiled in this documentary from a few years ago, which I believe won the Academy Award for Best Documentary the year it came out. And finally, When Harry Met Sally is also on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it it's it might be the best romantic comedy ever made. It's certainly in the uh, on the Mount Rushmore, I would say, of that genre. And it is now on Amazon Prime Video. TV shows coming to Amazon Prime uh, this month. Some really solid older HBO shows are hitting Amazon. And uh, if you're a Prime subscriber, you can finally now watch Lucky Louie, uh, all one season of it before it was canceled by HBO. This was uh, Louis C.K., and uh, this was his first 
kind of crack at doing a TV show. And it's really funny and surreal because it's it's shot it's like a sitcom. It's shot like a sitcom with the three camera setup and the studio audience, but it's it's a Louis C.K. show for HBO, so it's just very raw and the jokes are very wrong, but you've got like this this laughter over top of them, which is really interesting and uh, kind of it's it's cool to see Louis C.K. finding his voice in television. Um, that all one season of it is uh, up at Amazon Prime now. And the aforementioned Mr. Show with Bob and David, which I have extolled the virtues of here on the Stream Police. If you go back into our archive and find one of our older episodes, I can't remember which number, I talk at length about Mr. Show with Bob and David and my love for it and how I do consider it to be one of the truly great sketch comedy shows ever. You can finally watch it now. All four seasons are up at Amazon Prime Video. That was one of those shows that was very hard to track down, um, especially if you didn't have HBO. But if you don't, then uh, go on Amazon Prime Video and and check out Mr. Show with Bob and David. So funny, so biting, and uh, a lot of the uh, stuff they were doing still rings so true today. And it's funny to see Bob Odenkirk uh, from Better Call Saul really in his wheelhouse of, uh, of of sketch comedy, which is you know where he got his start as a writer on Saturday Night Live, and then doing that show for HBO sh- uh, HBO I should say with uh, David Cross from Arrested Development. So there's your look at what is streaming right now. Finally, I want to finish up with you here on the Stream Police this week uh, by talking about a movie that is in theaters right now that I recommend fully, unequivocally. Captain America Civil War, the 13th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first of what they're calling Phase 3. They have finished uh, Phases 1 and 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know how many damn phases they've got planned, but as long as they keep the quality up like they did with this one, I'm fine if they're going to do 100 phases of these movies. So Captain America Civil War, in this movie, Captain America and Iron Man face off with one another after having differing ideas about the future of the Avengers. And sure, it's it's two beloved superheroes fighting each other. But this movie is about 1,000 times better than Batman versus Superman, which I talked about in a previous episode of this show. First thing that stuck out to me with Captain America Civil War is that it's hilarious. It's really one of the funny it it's probably the funniest movie that I have seen this year, new movie that I've seen this year. Um, which you wouldn't expect that, but it's just got a lot of really big laughs in it. And I think a lot of that comes from the Russo brothers who directed it because they made their name you know when they were working as directors on uh, Arrested Development. So uh, these guys certainly know how to do funny, and they've proven it again in this film. This movie's also weighty at times, and the special effects are outstanding. Just the fights, the the fights never take you out of the moment, and everything looks really good. The special effects look practical, and it's uh, it's really cool. The action scenes are plentiful, and they're all fun to watch. And my favorite thing about Civil War, though, is that it felt more like a spy movie. I thought, and if you saw it, let me know if you agree. I felt like this movie really felt like a good James Bond or Mission Impossible film, uh, more so than a superhero movie anyways, because there's like a lot of cloak and dagger stuff and there's some international intrigue and we've got a great car chase going through a crowded city street instead of just flying around in the skies, you know, and, and, and destroying an entire city, which they do a little bit of in this movie. They're, you know, doing a car chase, which is really cool to see in a big-time superhero movie because it's old-school action filmmaking. There's some backstabbing in the movie, and there's a final twist that genuinely shocked the entire theater but could 
have been predicted, which is really the mark of a really good movie twist, I feel like. It can't just come out of left field. If you really think about it and it all clicks in and makes sense, that's what makes the best kind of twist. It's just a very good movie. Captain America Civil War is, uh, I mean, they're not going to consider it like with with Citizen Kane or anything, but it's a really it's a really good movie, really well made. And I would consider it one of the best superhero comic book movies I have ever seen. Like I said, the directors, the Russo brothers, they did Captain America the Winter Soldier, which some called the best Marvel movie ever. I still would probably have gone with the Avengers or the original Iron Man as what I would say the best Marvel movie ever is. But the Winter Soldier was certainly right there in the top five for me. Um, And Captain America Civil War now has jumped way up there. These guys are fantastic at juggling multiple storylines, keeping the pace up. I think that the fact that they're going to be directing the Infinity War movies, which are coming down the road for Marvel, this means that these Marvel Cinematic Universe films are going to be in very good hands. These guys, I have full confidence in them, and I'm excited for every movie uh, that I'm going to see the Russo brothers' names attached to. One other thing I want to give uh, everyone a shout-out for that had a hand in making this movie is that they actually managed to make Spider-Man cool also. Not just a weenie like he usually is. I'm telling you, Spider-Man, I think, is probably my least favorite superhero of the big-time superheroes. He's probably my least favorite one. I've just never enjoyed him. I, and I never read his comics specifically, probably because I never saw him in a movie that I really that really interested me enough. I just have never gotten into his story. But he was really good in this movie. The kid that played him, this 19-year-old kid, was fantastic. Um, it's a kid who's mostly done Broadway work in the Billy Elliot show in London. Uh, and he was he was great. He was very funny. He made you know Spider Man actually kind of cool and just you know it was good in a fight. He made a lot of good jokes and um, I give them a lot of credit for that because I never thought I would enjoy seeing Spider Man um, on screen. That may be the most impressive achievement of this entire movie. They made Spider Man not be a weenie in a movie for once. So I recommend everybody go out to see Civil War. It's an absolute blast. It's a really fun movie. Um, you do need to have seen uh, I would say the Winter Soldier. Um, It wouldn't hurt to see a couple of of the other Marvel movies, but definitely I would say at least the Winter Soldier and maybe the first Captain America movie. But do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, I'm not going to sit here and tell you go watch all 13 of them because that is pretty brutal, even though it's fun. Um, But watch the three Captain America movies. They're all three really good, and I think they're the best ones of all the Marvel series. If it's got the Captain America name on it, you know it's going to be pretty good. So do yourself a favor. Watch those two movies and then go see Civil War. I think you'll really dig it. You'll really have a a good time with it. Uh, That's just my take. They tell you what we're up against? Something about some psycho assassins? We're outside the law on this one. So if you come with us, you're a wanted man. Yeah, well, what else is new? Just one random guy's opinion. Actually, your chief of the stream police. And with that, I'm going to close the door. I'm going to end another episode here of the stream police with a uh, sing-along, as we usually do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it, I bet if, if you never listened to this show, you were scared there for a moment. Anyways, I'm Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com. I want to thank Andy Sedlak, our music editor, once again. And I want to thank you, my friend, for tuning in, making us a part of your commute or your run or whatever, whenever the hell you listen to us. I appreciate it. Go back into the archive. Listen to these shows. They're evergreen. They are always fun to uh, to check out, I think, and, and hear reviews, hear my takes on some of the old uh, TV shows and movies from the last couple of years. Uh, next time on the show, I'm going to be talking about Bloodline as Season 2 does hit Netflix on May 27th, and we'll see what else pops up until then. I'll talk to you guys next time, though, and as always, be safe out there and stream on.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen. Premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.